Asking the right questions will unlock your best life. They are the keys to enjoying more clarity, passion, balance, and confidence. Hi, I'm Todd Parker. And I'm Bridget Sampson. We're certified executive and life coaches, communication professors, trainers, consultants, and most importantly, parents. We're also dear friends who love diving into those deep conversations about life, relationships, family, and careers. All things about being a curious and compassionate human on this planet. So please join us, and we know you'll find something valuable that resonates with wherever you are on your journey. Welcome back to the Right Questions podcast. I'm your host, co-host for this You know, another fantastic conversation with somebody who's going to offer some great insight into a question that is supposed to benefit your life. So we're going to do our best to make sure that happens today. But as I always ask, and she's not allowed to say fantastic or great, how are you doing today, Bridget? (laughs) I am humbled to be part of this conversation. We are here with someone who is my coach at the moment (laughs) and the fact and, and who has accomplished phenomenal things in her life, which we'll tell you about. And so for her to say yes and be willing to be here with us, I'm going to say I'm humbled today more than anything else. I share that feeling with you. I share that sentiment, right? Here, episode 28, we are making our way through some important topics. And today, like, I'm excited because, and I use the word excited there, I'm excited because I know I'm going to learn something quite valuable from our guests this afternoon. I have lots of crap that I'm always trying to get done. And when I say crap, I've got like good and bad crap and, you know, there's all and everything in between as we all do. I have a, a blended family. We've got five children. I have my work. I teach at the university, right? Like we do this podcast. We travel is back in action. And, you know, with five kids, I have, I, there's so many things. There's like soccer started and lacrosse is coming up and, multiple kids in gymnastics and baseball just started and then they want you to volunteer at the stand also. Here's my point. There's so many things and those are my things and I could keep going on and on, but we all have all these, these things, all this crap, dare I say some shit that we have to deal with. So here's the question today as I segue into it. Why can't I get my shit done? To put it another way, <laughs> why can't I get my stuff these things, <laughs> all of this ish that I have to get done. What's going on? So that's what we're going to try to cover today. I'm going to throw it to Bridget to introduce our wonderful guest. All right. Well, first, let's just say welcome. I'm going to introduce you, but we like to take a moment to say welcome. Hello, Sophie. We're so honored to have you here, and we thank you so much. Welcome, welcome. I'm so honored to be here. Oh my God, you guys are so fun. I'm just watching you do your thing. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have a, a an amazing conversation. I just know because I've been having these incredible, seriously life changing conversations with you, Sophie. And so to bring this to our audience and share it widely is, I'm I'm sorry, Todd. I'm gonna say it as I always say. I'm I'm beyond excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm going to model doing something for our listeners, anybody who's listening, that that we have to be able to do, which is I was supposed to ask Sophie how to pronounce her last name before the episode, and I forgot. 
<laughs> so I'm going to confess and admit right now because she's, as you probably can already tell, she's French. She has this delicious French accent. She has a French last name. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, as well as we know each other, I forgot how to pronounce her last name. But you know what? No shame, no embarrassment. I'm just going to ask you right now to tell us your name, Sophie. <laughs> Great. Sophie Sheesh. And you know what? I've never liked pronouncing my name. It's hard to pronounce. It's like S's and F's and shishes and it's, it's like a lot of work. And so think of it as like S-H-E-E-E-E-S-H. Sheesh. Sheesh. Like that's what we say when something's hard. Like sheesh, this is hard. Exactly. Okay. exactly. Which is what you help us with. So it's perfect. Okay. All right. Well then, Sophie Sheesh, I, we thank you so much for being here. Let me take a, just a moment to introduce you to our audience. And I could go, Todd knows I'm famous for really long gushing intros. So I'm going to try to curtail that and contain myself. So if I forget anything or leave anything out, please, please let us know after. Okay. So Sophie is the founder and CEO of Be Current, which is an amazing, fun project management system that's really designed for creative minds, but it's for everybody and anybody. And I cannot say enough about the system. Sophie is coaching me currently, and it has been life-changing for me to do the Be Current work with her. We're not getting any kind of, um, you know, advertising pay for this episode, but I just want to, I want to tell you, you've got to do it. You've got to go to Be Current and take the quiz and sign up for some more information. And, and Todd and I have taken the quiz. It's amazing. And I'm coaching with her now. I'm learning this whole new system of organizing my life, prioritizing my life, figuring out what really matters. What do I want to spend my time doing? And then how do I keep it organized in a way that's going to allow me to set big goals and do the things I really want to do with this one life that I get to have, right? Sophie is an entrepreneur. She's an author. She's a TEDx speaker. She's a journalist. She's a psychologist. She has several master's degrees, an MBA, an MA in psychology. I won't go on around. She's been the CEO and crafted many, many other successful companies. She hangs out with the likes of Ariana Huffington and Nelson Mandela. She's been, her work has been featured on Ellen, Good Morning America, E, The Today Show, Billboard, New York Times, The LA Times, um, Huffington Post, TEDx. She's, I can see she's already like, enough, Bridget. <laughs> Don't get mad at me, Sophie. It's hard not to. She's written for renowned international publications. She's a coach for super high-powered people, entrepreneurs, executives. I will stop there. She's also a wonderful, loving mom and friend, and she's my friend, and she just is so generous with her wisdom and her kindness, and she's accomplished incredible things. You know, she helps people to figure out what their real goals are in life and how to make them happen. And she uses the most profound examples, such as deciding, I think 15 years ago, that she was going to lose 200 pounds. And she did it, and she's kept it off, and she talks about that, and she shares that so openly from her heart, which we know is a painful and deeply, you know, introspective journey that that takes a lot of self-work. So, all right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Sophie, what did I leave out? Tell us more about you. Oh, nothing, nothing. You have it all. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe my shoe size, but other than that, we got the whole thing. And a great sense of humor. There you go. <laughs> Thank you okay. for having me. That is the, the question that we know, uh, or at least we speculate, right? But it's, it, we, we've talked before and we know people come to you and they, they're like, you know, Sophie, why can't I get my shit done? Like, what is going on? Like, I'm struggling here. And so some version of that question. So, I mean, if, can we just start with what you see in your work and the coaching work and the, in the business that you've built? Like, what do you see is in, as an answer to that question, just to, to get us started? 
I love that question. I, I actually, to go to the why don't we, it takes it deep right away because the reason we don't is often rooted in very old patterns and stories and things we were told. I was told I was lazy as shit when I was a kid. And obviously from what you read of my life, it's like, I don't know anyone. <laughs> I am not a lazy person, but I was told I was lazy a lot. And I grew up with this thing like battling, like I would accomplish something and I would say like, what, like that doesn't fit. I'm like, I'm lazy. I'm supposed to be lazy. Right. And so already to kind of go to the root of why, what do we believe of ourselves? I believe to be like a treasure chest, you know, like what do you believe about yourself? And then there is the, one of my other favorite one is the fact that we don't know how to say no. I think things end up on our calendar, on our project management tools, whatever you use, you know, Trello, Asana, Monday.com, whatever those things that we all use to try to manage our lives. I think things get onto them that really shouldn't. And it starts from, oh, you want me to build furniture from Ikea this weekend? All right, all right, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll carve some time. And then comes the moment to go do that. And you want to shoot yourself in the head, but you didn't know how to say no, or you didn't like you want to be liked. And so that also gets rooted pretty far down and not wanting to disappoint people. And so all of a sudden you're doing things that are not what you are meant to be doing. And I would say that's one of the big ones. It's like you, one of what we call our shit, getting our shit done often is not ours. So one of the first thing I do when I work with people, it's like, let's look at what's there. Let's take it out of your head and your systems. If you're using one or half of one or, or seven of them, which is might as well not use one at all. <laughs> exactly. As he shows me a list and another list, and I know what you're going to show me. Tom. So basically not knowing how to say no is a critical, crucial pivoting thing in the work that I do is to already build a kind of confidence that if someone asks you to do something in two weeks, but right now you know that in two weeks you really won't want to do it, say no now. <laughs> we talk about mental habits. This is so much of what this show is about, right? habits of mind. And um, I, there's a saying I like from the Dalai Lama that I've said multiple times. And, you know, he was pointing out that we were taught how to uh, physical hygiene, that we're taught how to cleanse our bodies and wash, you know, our armpits and behind our ears, right, and brush our teeth. But nobody teaches us how to really cleanse our mind, that our culture is not, you know, centered around this mental hygiene. And, it strikes me in kind of keeping with that, that unless we are fortunate enough to have somebody share, right, or teach us, guide us in, in the development of what I, you know, time management, right, uh, uh, different executive function skills, right? If we're not fortunate enough to have that or to develop it, you know, by chance that we might be sitting there kind of as the Dalai Lama said, deficient in these habits of both mind and like actual physical habits of organization. You know, what do you think about, about that? It's funny because some of the way I described how one feels after working, the kind of work I do with them is the fact that we're flossing their brain. We are literally going to all these parts of our heads inside that are holding, that are being used as, frankly, the least interesting way to use your brain. When you think of it, it's like, yes, it has memory and it can hold stuff, but it's like using a, a jet as like a little bicycle to go get your bread. Nothing wrong with a bicycle, but let's do something with that jet, right? And so the fact that we do not have systems where we can download all that and we keep it in our heads, that is one of my big 
Like by flossing, I mean get stuff out of your head and find a system that you trust, a container where you can put that stuff so that when comes the time to sit down and do work, you're not like a pinball machine up there. It's like, oh, this, oh, no, that. Okay, wait, what, what's it? What? And it's not stopping. It's like at first when I was coaching people years ago, I kind of thought it was a phase. It was just like, we need to get used to this thing that's like this new behaviors that we all have to have. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> We have so much coming at us. And you're right, Todd. Like if we don't develop habits of health, and it is interesting how we accept the idea of needing to work out or even storing stuff. Like I was thinking, I went to my storage facility the other day and I was like, that's interesting because I accept the idea that stuff that I don't need in my house, I rent a place and I put it there. And then maybe when it's time to ski or it's cold, I will go get these sweaters that I do not need when it's a hundred degrees. And somehow I accept that notion, but not, not most people, not in their heads. And so they, they store. And so, you know, at some point, I think we, we end up, I think aging has a lot to do with this, just too much. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it it doesn't feel like there is fluidity and, and space. You know, I want to speak to this in a specific example, because as Sophie's speaking, Todd, you have to imagine like I'm doing coaching with her. So she's doing this with my brain. She is getting deep inside my brain. And I don't even know what to describe Sophie's coaching because it sounds like it's like time management or organizational systems. But remember, she's a psychologist, right? So we go deep quick based on what's on my list. Like, I mean, first you start, she puts every, she has you put everything you do into Trello, which I thought it was all about that at first. And I was like, Trello's amazing. I want to be a spokesperson for Trello. Like I have all these lists now of things I need to do this week, things I need to do today, things I need to do this month. And then I move them to different boards based on what's getting done. And it's so, I mean, that alone honestly has saved me hours and hours and hours. But then then what happens? Cause Sophie is this incredibly astute psychologist is like this, Todd, you have to forgive me. Cause I'm going to use us as an example. I had this thing on my to do this week for like a few weeks <laughs> and it was give Todd something like give Todd tips about X. We talked about this today. I don't want to specify cause it's one of our clients. So we know, you know, give Todd information. And I didn't know exactly what I needed to do. It was like all this pressure. Cause it's this big project you're working on. You know, I want to support you. And it kept moving from the list from this week to next week to today. And Sophie was like, okay, I'm sensing, you know, there's something going on here with this item. You're not getting it done. What is it? And then it became like a therapy session. It was like, well, I don't really understand and I want to help him. And I told him I was going to do it last week and I didn't do it. And it was the craziest experience where I realized. And then I sat down today and what happened, Sophie, you don't know to close the loop is I came back to Todd and I was like, I realized like, I'm not sure how I can help you with this. It feels like this big to do on my list. And Todd knows I'm how busy I am and he is too. And he was like, oh, just do this. He said, just put these things in a folder for me. Just share this with me. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> are you kidding that me? Is, like, is, it's, it's beautiful that you're giving this example because I would argue that one of the reasons things don't get done is because we do not know what the very next step is or it's too big. It's too big. And we look at it and we're like, oh my God, like taxes, like, well, but yeah, you know, I just need to find the receipt from lunch last week with Todd. Then that's like, oh, I know what that receipt is. So somehow creating momentum, you know, by, by doing one little thing and then another little thing and then another little one. And all of a sudden it's like you climbing the whole mountain. And it really is when I'm not doing something, I often I track it down. I don't know what to do next. 
So asking question was brilliant, like going back to him and saying, what is it exactly that you need? Because clearly you wanted to support him. It wasn't about, so one, I don't know what to do next. The second one is, I don't want to do it. I just don't. It's like, it's either I have to do it and I don't want to do it. So break it down, ask a friend to come do it with you, whatever it is, put music on, you know, whatever it is. But there's clearly a reason why you're resisting doing it. It could also be the, the way that it ended up on your plate you didn't like, like someone asked you to do something and they weren't very nice about it or you don't think it's part of your job, you know, and so you kind of like, so to have the courage to kind of, it really is courage for me to kind of look at the items, not so much at this big noise, like oh, all the stuff I have to do, but really what is this item? Like this one little thing that you keep like, you know, procrastinating about, Procrastination is one of my favorite topics, by the way, because people are treating procrastination as like, you know, the devil or something. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's fascinating because procrastination often is a, a way for our body, for our system to inform us that something is not where it needs to be. So whether I, it's too early and I really cannot make a decision, I don't have enough information or the team is not put together yet. And so we can't really move forward or I'm really exhausted and I need to rest before I can do this or Whatever it is, it's like there is a reason. I mean, we're grown-ass adults. Like, we're not little toddlers that are kind of like not wanting to do what our teacher's saying, right? And so to kind of like take it back, like I keep saying I want to write a book, not me, but someone I was working with. I want to write a book. I want to write a book. I'm writing a book. I'm writing 15 years he's writing the book. At some point I was like, dude, you're not writing a book. That's not writing a book. And who told me to write this book? I want to write the book. Okay, well, great. Then let's break it down. Let's do, can you do 15 minutes brainstorming the title of your book? Can you do that? I can do that. Great. After he was done with that, can you do 15 minutes of, I don't know, three titles for the chapters? Maybe. Great. Then he did that. And then six months later, the thing is done. Just because we did it in such a way that was just like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, nobody writes a book. I've written books. I don't write books. I sit down for 15 minutes, my butt's in a chair, and I'm typing something. That's what I'm doing. And tomorrow I do it again and again and again and again. Eventually it builds up to something. But the act that we are doing is often too big. It's just too big. And so, it, it, you know, I don't climb Everest. If I ever wanted to go do that, I would buy a pair of shoes. I would maybe go on a little hike with a friend or, you know, meet someone who's actually gone to Everest. You know, those things would move me towards but people somehow project themselves into this big, too big thing. It scares the out of them, really, because it's too big. And then they don't do it. And it stays there as this open loop, open loops. Open loops are my candy when I work with people. Let's go. <laughs> what if I have a, a conflict of priorities? Right? Like if I'm struggling, like I know I can organize I see all the things. I know I'm not doing this thing because while it's important, there's these other things that keep getting in the way of me doing this important thing because these are more important. Have you ever heard that one before? <laughs> A couple times. times. Well, that one is interesting because it would be like asking me, you know, why don't I have four legs? I don't know. You have two. So let's deal with that. Like what happens when we do the work is the work that I do with people is they see that they have too many priorities. Like what you're asking me is, should I lower the quality of what I'm doing? Should I have said no? Should I hire someone that could do it with me, for me, what have you? It's like there is a limit. It's like somehow there's this belief that we just take it all on 
and we will do it all, especially with five children. Wow, you did not mean like dogs and cats. You mean actual oh, yeah, children. I have three cats. He's got those I have three, no, not cats. I have three dogs. Yeah, I wouldn't say, oh my gosh, like if you know me at all, I don't have cats. But yeah, not that anything about cats. Yeah, I'm just allergic. I give bad allergies. Uh-oh. I have, and Uh-oh. I, it's funny. I, I do have a three legged dog too. I have a, a, a three legged dog to that point. Wow. Well, that's funny. So he would be like saying to this dog, like, you know, why don't you do things that you would need your four legs for? It's like, I don't have an answer for you. It's like, the, if you have too many priorities, it's in the sentence. The answer is in the question. There are too many. And it's like, if you would be like saying, you know, how come I don't, I don't have nine days a week? I don't know. We only have seven. It's like there's, And it's like, I think the common sense to be able to look at what is and decide maybe because having the priorities that you committed to. So maybe saying no would have been a good idea, breaking it down, coming up with a team, deciding to do it in six months, you know, having some deliberate relationship with it. I think it's where the secret is. I think people, someone says something and boom, I take it on and now I'm doing it and I barely know why. That's not a very conscious behavior. So when someone comes at me with like, do you want to do something with me? I look at what is, and if it is too much, whatever that would be. But if I don't see that I can fit it in a way that's pleasing, then I, I say no. I say no. So if your priorities are, you know, picking up the kids from school, I say pick them all up. Like I'm not saying drop one of them and don't pick them up, of course. But often I would argue that often when I, because I look at people's, you know, I look at their stuff, right? It's like part of the work I do is I really get in there with them and it's kind of their underwear drawer a little bit, kind of deep in the, you know, as Bridges. (laughs) Yeah, it's very personal. It gets super personal. I know so much about people in like an hour, an hour and a half more than I do in like knowing someone for 10 years. It's really beautiful. Mind you, second I'm done with your session, just so you know, I forget all about it. (laughs) I hope so. I'm relieved. Yeah. But in the moment in this session, you're like picking up on every little nuance of like, and you say, oh, your energy changed when you talked about responding to so-and-so. Why do you not? And it's like, well, because I don't want to. And, you know, oh, and I noticed that you, you know, sighed. You were like, oh, you had a deep, heavy sigh when you were going through this item. I noticed how excited, well, with me, you know how excited I get when we get to put things in the done column. It's just ridiculous. I get so excited. And there's confetti. You get confetti when you, I am so obsessed with moving things to the done column because you get this electronic confetti. So I'll like finish, you know, whereas I used to be like, oh, there's five minutes left to do of this thing. I'll just keep it on the list or whatever. It's like, no, if I just put in that five minutes, I can. So there's so much psychology, you know, in embedded in your system. Um, and it really does. You're right. It goes really, really deep into some of our deepest, darkest kind of secrets and aspects of our of our personality, of our, our persona, you know, and it, I'm sure a lot of it goes back to things, as you said, that we were taught in childhood and how are you going to be a good, good girl or boy, a good child by doing this the right way. And, you know, and that's all still in there as tapes. So you help us kind of bring all that to the surface and really, as you said, become grown ass adults and say, no, my time is my time. We all get seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And, you know, it reminds me also, I just read the book Essentialism with Greg McKeown, which was such a game changer for me also. And he says, people whose lives, who have their lives in control, they understand that life is about trade-offs. We can't say, like Todd said, 
what if people say, I have all these priorities, but I can't get this big priority done because I have all these other priorities. It's like, then they're not, they shouldn't be priorities. We only get so many priorities. And then we have to say no. As you said, we have to come up with other ways or we, we trade-offs, trade-offs. That word really, really, um, stuck with me because we can't, people like us who are blessed and lucky to have endless opportunities, we just can't do it all. We got to make trade-offs. And then the thing that it reminds me, because I have lost 200 pounds, I guess I've visited the topic of what actually do end up in my mouth when I eat food. I don't eat the entire buffet. Maybe in the past I would have wanted to, like priorities, you know, it's like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want that. It's like, there's a certain, what is the word clarity? You know, if I eat this, I'm going to feel great. If I spend time with these people, I'm going to not feel great at all. Well, okay, what do you want to do about that? And it's really looking at it as like, you, because you are a grown ass adult, what do you let in? What do you let in? What a priority is not something that's written on your to do list that does not make it a priority. But if you've committed to it, if you said, yes, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it by Friday, but then you made it a priority, but was it one? Or was it just like someone demanded something of you and you don't want to disappoint these people? And so, or you're just not used to saying no in a way that's, you know, people come to me all the time to do stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I would love to do that. And no, I don't have time. It's a full sentence. You know, it's just, no, it's a full sentence. So I'm sticking to this one because I feel like that's one of the pivotal moments where people realize that what gets, it's like your house. Okay. We walking down the street, there's a couch, like the dogs have peed on it. It's like sitting on the street, like someone just left it out. Do you just, because it's sitting there, do you just bring it in? You bring it in. You're very deliberate about what you bring to your house, right? Because that you can see. Okay. If I come home and you brought in, in my house, like a, you know, peed on couch, I'm not going to be very happy, but I can't see what's going on in your head. And you kind of don't either because once it's in there, it's kind of has its own like way of, you know, living there. Like it was always there, which often it, it wasn't. And so there's just a very exercise of emptying. Like, is this furniture something I really want? Because otherwise, Gotta go. And similarly, you know, do that for your to-dos. Does that resonate with your thought yeah. at all? I'm going to be meditating yeah. tomorrow or this evening. I'm be thinking about like pee stain couches. I'm going to be like, that's a, that's like a, that, that needs to go. I need to, no, I like it. I kind of like the <laughs> like, visual. Like what is that a metaphor to, for in your life? Just, you're saying, yeah, yeah like get we all rid of that. Yeah. I like that. I was just going to say, it reminds me of like I, the other day I was at the market and there's so much stuff, right? It's like, how do I choose what makes it into my basket, right? Mm-hmm. What I need, what I feel like I want, you know, what I need to do this other dish I'm trying to do, right? There's a certain process that makes me pick this particular thing or this cheese yeah. or this not, right? Okay. Yes. But then I get to the counter and I have, you know, maybe 0.1% of what's in that store, right? I don't mm-hmm. grab one of each just for the sake of it. Right. But then I get right. home. And that particular element, maybe the meat goes in the fridge and the toilet paper goes in the bathroom and we know where stuff goes. Like we don't come Mm -hmm. home and just like dump that percentage of things we brought home. And we don't do that with our thoughts. We don't do that with our ideas. Like it comes, we don't select what gets in the basket and we don't have a place when we get home on where to put it. And the system that I've developed does that. It has this filtering does it belong to your basket right now? Do you really need yes. that or not? So first of all, it, it you know, makes you come home with 0.1%, not, mm-hmm. you know, your entire store. And second, mm-hmm. when you get home, it really, you have a place. The container that I've developed, as you were describing it earlier, it is on Trello, which I find to be the most beautiful one and efficient mm-hmm. one, many other project management. But the fact that every thought you have, I will challenge you 
I can turn it into where does it go on that board? I do, because by asking questions like, what is the very next step? Are you sure you're the one who needs to do that one? Mm-hmm. Do you have enough information? Is that step? So, like, let's say, I love that example. So Bridget, it's you know, Todd's birthday tomorrow, and I don't have his phone number, right? And on my list, I don't write call Todd for his birthday. I write call Bridget to ask for Todd's birthday phone number. And mm-hmm. people don't do that. They put stuff on their list that they have no business. They don't know. Right. And they don't have business doing. And so then they mm-hmm. sit there to do it. And it's like, <laughs> like you're in yes. like, when if I oh write on my list, you know, text Bridget. So I get Todd's number. Then it gives me, it's like, I, it, it, it pops yes. up. Like it gives me the energy of like, you know, doing the steps I need to do because it's very clear. Yeah. This is why working with you is so like, there's so many epiphanies and, you know, profound kind of mindset shifts because I was doing a lot of that. I was just putting things on there where it was like, I had 10 steps to do before the thing I was putting on my to-do list. And so it would be like, ah, what do I, what, what, why can't I get this done? Right. So you, yeah, you've asked me multiple times, you know, like, well, what's the next step on? I'm like, oh, the next step would be this, you know? So that's where the coaching is incredible. I'm thinking if I'm a listener hearing this, I'm sold. Like I think every person on the planet <laughs> like is sold on what we're saying. The challenge and needs it desperately. I sure did. The challenge is like, where do I start? So I want to ask if we can go through a little bit of a step-by-step, like t- first go to the website, take the quiz. It's free, right? Learn what your style is. Because once I learned my archetype, then it's like, oh, that makes sense. Why these are my challenges with what I have to do and what I want to do. And then, you know, maybe have a discovery call with Sophie if you want. Or maybe, you know, maybe people want to find out about coaching with you. Maybe they want to try to start doing this on their own. Like, let's help walk people through a little. So can we start with um, talking about these these archetypes? It was so I took fascinating. The quiz. I took the quiz. Me All too. Right. Me too. Let's hear it. What'd you get? Let's hear I, you. I'm a cre- creativator. You're a creative creativator. I can tell from what's on the walls behind you and the kind of careers I can tell you've had. Oh. What about you, Bri? I was an, an envisioner. An envisioner. I can see that as well. So yes, the archetypes, it's interesting because the way I got to them, I really, I've had hundreds of people go through this process. And the first exercise for me was like, let's see if there are trends. Like, are there people that really do respond differently? And by golly, are there people that respond differently? So one of the specifics of an envisioner is you have multiple ideas, many going on at once. Maybe the challenge for you a little bit could be like, let's pick one or let's start with the one and let's kind of stay with that. And that's why the question, what is the very next step is a very useful one for you because you could literally be doing like, you're so creative and you're so kind of initiating of beautiful ideas. And they are, that's what's beautiful with envisioners is that they will, they are the, they are leading us towards an edge that we've never been to. It's just that sometimes to translate that into, all right, now what do I do so this thing actually manifests itself is a little bit difficult because there are so many. The creativators, I know very well because I'm one of them. So uh, I'm with you. And now I'm, sp- that, and I'm not surprised actually to have you in the role that I, I'm imagining you have in this, in this conversation we're having. We have a lot of ideas and we have a good structural way of going about them. And so, of course, the world will come and sometimes it'll be too much, but it's the one of the five that has the most, the balance, let's say. So maybe we don't go like all the way up there or all the way down there, but somehow in the middle there, we generate good ideas. Often they have like heart to them, like we're very 
difficult for us to stay engaged when we don't have, you know, an interest to it. It's like, I don't think, uh, can you stay on jobs that you like, get me out of here? We can't. I mean, some people can. I, I absolutely cannot. No, no, can you probably? And so what's, what's powerful is that the balance between having these ideas and actually translated into, okay, now what do I do with this? We have a really good balance with those. And so that's, you know, the, Ooh, the now I got to yeah. ask, okay, so what are the challenges for the R2 archetypes in working together and getting things done? <laughs> the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. The two of you. You know, you, you're not going to lack good ideas. You probably right. have right. a good nope. amount of them. No. Nope. I would recommend <laughs> that, Todd, I would recommend that Todd, you play a little bit of a structural role. So maybe there's a weekly meeting where, you know, you download everything from Bridget's head and your own, and maybe together you identify you know, okay, there's 17 things. We can do four. <laughs> Which ones should we do? I'm like, laughing. I'm making me feel good about our systems oh right now. I'm feeling this very like happy right now. This is like therapy for us. Like, this is like couples, not couple, co We're doing something right, Bridget. We've got something a little therapy. bit right. Yeah. This is so powerful, Sophie, because this is so real for us. Yeah, go ahead, please. I was going to say for you, Bridget, it's like not seeing people that are trying to structure a little bit of this joyful enthusiasm, creating things every 10 seconds that you have and really trusting, like building the kind of relationship you, you have with Todd that I can feel is that you trust them because if you don't, you're left. It's like, it's a little crazy making to have that many ideas. You can be a little bit like, I mean, a lot of people I work with that are envisioners, I find them a little bit kind of in their own, like lost in like, what do I do next? What do I do next? You know, they, they struggle, but if they team up, with a little bit of a structure, which can come from creativators, it can come from planifiers, it can come from different sources, then it works really well. But not if you haven't resolved your own, like, okay, maybe I don't have everything it takes to do everything myself, then it's a good partnership. Todd is smiling like I'm... You're validating all his frustrations with me. No, well, there's so many thoughts. The one I went back to, because you were talking about the story and also our like our training, like how did we arrive here is so much of why we do what we do. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why am I good at that role? Why do I enjoy that role? Sorry, the little fly flying here. Like with Bridget, my father... I would venture to guess, you know, if I had to speculate, is is something quite similar. He's a songwriter. He's a producer. He has been his entire life. I worked with him for over a decade right before, you know, I say I have a previous life in, in the music industry, right? So all of the that applies very well, I guess, to you, Bridget, as well. So you reap the rewards of all of that, you know, because I, I learned very well how to, how to fall into that role. Yeah, it's very just... I mean, we all, we all, there's probably a part where we come with it. Like I have stories of me being three years old and like sorting pencils and selling them and having this very kind of structure, but also kind of very like, okay, now what do we do with this? That was, that was unusual for such a young person that my parents reported, you know, being difficult to raise me a little bit. I, I, I see that. So some of it probably I came with it, but some of it, my, my, I would test something and be like, Ooh, I, that was cool. Like, okay. So now I had this great idea. And because I had a little bit of like, do this, do this, do that, then it happened. But maybe I'm five, six, seven, 10 years old. So now I'm developing this, like, Ooh, this is cool. As opposed to maybe I'm in danger when I don't, like there's also all the pieces of like, we create survival mechanism when we're children. And so some of these behaviors, you know, like maybe Bridget, you were raised in a family where being bubbly and having great ideas and being all was supported. It was kind of like the little girl that's all like happy and dancing and doing her thing. And that, you know, somehow we learned that's like, well, that's good. I get approval when I do that. 
or I don't get punished when I do that. Sadly, it's it goes both ways. And so we, it's a combination of we probably came with a suitcase of all sorts of behaviors and, and then we tested them. And okay. You gave me, I have a question. I have a, it's an important one that I wanted to make sure I asked you. And I'm, I'm like looking at our time. I'm like, I'm going to make sure you get this question in. So I work with a number of students who have a variety of, you know, processing or a number of things they're working through at the front of which would be ADHD. And so when you're saying we come with some things and some of these are like, you know, programs, some of these are just things like idiosyncratic stuff that we have and the way that we operate, what is the starting point, you know, for somebody dealing with something like that? Well, first of all, I think lots of people are diagnosed. Some should have been diagnosed and are not. Some are diagnosed and probably are just doing too much garage band at home and then they have to go to school and it's boring out of their head. And so, you know, they, they're, I would have probably been diagnosed with something because I was very active and very original and I came up with all these things and I was asked to like sit like a little, you know, don't move and sit in the back and, you know, don't, and wear shoes, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What an insult to my creativity, right? <laughs> and so if I had not done the kind of work I have done, I probably would have gotten lost in all this because we are not meant to all be doing the same thing. Like Sir Ken Robinson, which sadly passed away not long ago, but he's an educator, has changed the way we look at, are you familiar with him? Yeah. And then he talks about his, he was a very good friend with this guy who was a gymnast, like Olympic Bert. I mean, he was married. He's a known guy that I don't want to tell the private story about him, but he was walking on his hands when he was little, like two, three years old. There's stories of him walking on his hands. And Sir Ken tells the story that it's like, if he did that in his house, the mother would have like yanked him around and be like, stop with that shit. Right. Well, that mother, for some reason, she was like, Oh, that's peculiar. And she started supporting and helping. And whoa, you can do it on the stairs too. That's really amazing that he's balanced like that. Well, meanwhile, the kid got us like, you know, gold medals at the Olympics. So somehow to get this kid to sit in the back of the class, you would have had, you would have had something diagnosed because that energy is not really meant to stay still like we asked to do in school. Think of it. School is like a hundred years old. We've done nothing different than we did. And now there's an iPhone. I can talk to my phone and anything that would have taken me five hours at the library can spit out of my phone in like 10 seconds. And it's like, how do we not adjust learning? I think the learning is the problem, not the children. That's, that's kind of so. Oh, I'm so, and by the way, Sophie, I'm going to, you know, obviously my coaching clients follow us and listen to this podcast. I'm going to recommend it and I'm going to focus them specifically on this part because you saying that provides a lot of relief for a lot of people about like, there's something wrong with me. I can't get this. And, and they have to, and I do mean have to on some level, right? Function and win air quotes. If you know, you're not watching us, right? Win in these structures that, you know, they may have parents that are like, no, you, we're not moving schools. This or don't have the ability to move schools, right? You're going to win and you, you have to win. And this is where you're going to win. And we'll bring people around you. We'll do things, but you have to do it like this. So to the student who's walking on his or her, their hands, right? And knows that they are struggling, but has to with still win. What do you tell that kid? It's super rough. I tell them that it is not. It often isn't them the problem. It's like the, the system hasn't adapted to a number. Like I was not joking. Like these kids are able to like code 
games and change the world in that side of their life. And then they come and they have to sit over there and absolutely bring no creativity, no. So to maybe, I mean, what I would have loved to hear when I was a kid, I was kicked out of nine schools just to make the table clear here. When I took my daughter for the first, not the first time, but she was old enough to understand. I took her to this school and I said, oh, this one was my second grade school. And this one was my ninth. And this one was my first. And at some point she pauses and she's like, wait, in France, do you guys change schools like for every grade? And I was like, no, not most people. <laughs> Right. So what I would have loved to hear, to, to hear by, back then probably was something along the lines of like, it's going to pass. Like you're going to grow. You're going to find your place. You're going to be okay. Just don't stop loving yourself. Like don't take it personally. It's not about you. You know, something is happening in you that doesn't fit. It's like coming with a bathing suit and today we're flying. It's like we asking you to bring something to this game that you don't have. And, and, but for this other game, you'd be fantastic. Right. God bless France in this case that I wasn't somehow my ego was strong enough that I didn't, it didn't break me. Like I, you know, it doesn't kill you, kill you, makes you stronger type of thing. So I would just say like, do your best, get good friends, you know, get together, get your sense that life is good from a different place because it is, it's, I mean, I don't want to BS you, you know, to try to be a giraffe when you're a zebra. That's hard. You know, I'm pretty sure the zebra wouldn't like having to be a giraffe. And you're asking me, how do we make that work? It's like, well, you know, I don't know, find a way to not have to be in that environment, as you were saying earlier, or learn another skill, which is, you know, be resilient and, and know that for some hours a day, you're going to have to put up with it. Like, we have to, we have to do some stuff. Like, I'm not, you know, out there saying, like, just do what makes you happy. I mean, yes, find happy in everything you have to do is, is a good quest, right? Well, there's a mindset but shift in there, right? It, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, I, the, the, really, the key for me would be just don't drop you. Like, don't start having self-attacking behaviors, you know, like I did a lot of those. Obviously, you don't get 150 pounds, you know, by eating an apple. So I did a lot of those behaviors and, and other ones. So because I turned it against me, you know, don't do that. Maybe that, that would such be an important, idea. thank you for, for sharing that. It's really important to, to, to have that somebody, especially, and I, and I do mean this, somebody of your success and your caliber and all of the triumphs, right? Right. The things you've achieved in your life to hear that, like, that's part, that this is a huge part of my journey as well. And, and I would speculate perhaps part of, you know, a drive and a passion underneath everything that you're doing and the service and the very meaningful service you're providing to people um, to leave it's them in a better place. Word. Thank you for that. Meaning is very powerful. I have to say, if I remember who did well in school when I was a kid, they're not the ones who amount. I mean, they're, they're fine, maybe, you know, but I, the ones of us that really came out, some of us got, you know, one of my dearest friends, you know, committed suicide when we were very young. And partly for that, I would argue that they were really trying to be a giraffe and poor soul. They were definitely a zebra. And they, at the time, there was no consciousness that, you know, if you were one, it was really, it would be difficult to be the other. And she couldn't, she didn't, she couldn't make it. And that was, that was a big kick in my pants too. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's no fun. Like that's, you know, I learned a lot from her passing. And so somehow, build your tribe, you know, come out of school and have your friends, your dear, like your, your people, you know, with which your giraffes, just find your giraffes. <laughs> just my metaphor. Yeah. 
Well, that kind of brings it back to the, the quiz, right? Because the first step is knowing who you are and knowing we all, I think most of us feel like we could do better at getting our shit done, right? Which is the question, the whole question where, you know, but then it's like, why? Where are the challenges for you and how, how are they indicative of your unique style and the way you operate in the world? So let's say, Sophia, I've taken the quiz and I now understand I'm an envisioner and I have a million ideas, but I need help with grounding them and making them. I'm just laughing because like, right, right. This is why when I fire off all those ideas, Todd, Todd and I have gotten really good. We work together like nine years now or 10 years. You know, he'll be like, just give me time to think about it. Just let me think about that. But half the time, by the time he's gone off to think about it, I'm on to all these new things. I'm like, oh yeah, right. I forgot all about that. Right. So we have our systems, but so we understand now, right? We take the quiz. We understand. So where do we go from there? How do we start? You know, you, we can do a discovery call with you. We can start using a project management system on our own. Like, what are the steps that you kind of recommend if, for someone who really wants to do this work and start living the life they really want to live? Which is, I couldn't imagine what could be more important. I, I agree, and it's funny how people don't see that the life is just a little, it's an addition of little moments. That's what it is. Like, people are like, life, it's like this thing that will happen one day. No, it's this moment, this next moment, this next moment. So if you're not participating in making those little moments better, then it's not going to amount to much. And at this point, it's on you. Like, yes, as a kid and teachers and parents and whatever, there's a book in France that's called, um, it's not because you've had a difficult childhood that you have to be a pain in the ass for everybody else. <laughs> I like. To answer your question, lots you can do on the website. There's lots of, you know, free stuff, lots of resources, lots of steps for particular archetypes, you know, to kind of direct how to maybe announce to other people that that's how you work best, you know, and things like that, because I, I find that people end up a little bit in a, in some knots, you know, because they don't understand themselves. So they take other people's, you know, opinions about them the wrong way. And so it, it injures relationship where if we were to say, okay, Bridget's super creative. She's going to flow like a river all day long and your job, Todd, and not from a punishing place, but it's a little bit to make banks for that river. So some of that stuff actually gets delivered. Then it becomes like, oh, cool. Let's partner together as opposed to like whatever sound that would make, you know, in some way. So the quiz is great. I also have group sessions that I do, you know, where I take on like 10, 20, we can be, you know, up to 20 probably is what I'm doing lately. And I, and then we do the work together. So it's more affordable. And then there is, you can hire me to work with you one-on-one like you and I have been doing, which is obviously hands-on, you know, having both of our heads together, you know, trying to ninja our way through. And the combination of, you know, the mindset, which is obviously more the psychology, the emotional work, which is like what happened to me as a little girl. It's like I, that, that plays out. I mean, I don't, we're not doing therapy, but we definitely kind of like thread a few, you know, why don't I feel like I don't deserve to be happy? Like every time I reach something that's really big and good, it's like I sabotage myself. Why do I do that? Well, that's a good conversation, even if it just triggers the question. So working one-on-one goes obviously a little bit deeper, faster, possibly. Although the groups is great because you benefit. I mean, look at this conversation. We connect each other in all these ways, you know, like a cohort does that. And that I think is very powerful. Those are the two main ways. I mean, people hire me to speak and do all sorts of things. But for right now, this particular piece of helping download what's in your head onto a system that actually makes sense to you, that's, that's my juice. That's where I live. I'm happy to live. 
The other one I heard from you is, is maybe because we're all about questions here, right? Ask yourself, do I need to do this? Did I need to say yes to this? Do, or if it's before, if you could do it in the moment, do I need to say yes to this? Or why am I and, saying And if the yes answer is no, you can renegotiate. You can say, you know what? That IKEA building furniture weekend, although it sounds super fun, I'm writing a book. And so I'm going to be home and write my book. So let me know how it went. Send me pictures. We often have a fear of disappointing people. Right. And like, I, I, I maybe, maybe it's just me, but I like, you know, we I, I coach enough people. We're like, I, I, I don't want to do, I want to do it. I don't have the time to do it. And I don't, if I just say yes and then kind of don't show. Right. And it's like, no. Right. It, in fact, what you'll find is when you share that with the person and are clear uh, about what's going on, you can find like, two, three months down the road, some time to do that thing. But then you're not offending the person. You're not, you know, hurting a relationship. They're not left wondering, was it me? Right? All the assumptions that come in when really you just had to communicate a little bit more and get past that fear. That's so true. It is harder for anyone to say no if you don't have your yes, right? So if you're not writing a book or if you don't have the five kids or if you don't have the whatever that really is like forces us a little bit, then it's a little bit harder because it's like, well, why not? You know, yes, I want to be a good friend. But first of all, are you a good friend? Because the next thing you know is that guy's at Ikea with you and something happens and he gets like, wow, why am I here? I don't want to be here. And, you know, I do so much for you. Right. There's the resentment. There was the resentment. Doing- yes. It's not, you know, it's not, you didn't say, it wasn't the, the, the Hendrix, my dear friends, Gian and Katie Hendricks, they call it the full body yes. And that's how they live their lives. And God, I mean, of course, now they've reached the level of success that they can literally say no to anything that they don't want to do. But just this idea that it's like, how is my body? Like, what does that feel like when something is like, yes? And how much more of that can we do and less of the other? When it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's not do those. I've been really working on this and you've been helping me a lot. And lately I've been trying to think of it in my own mind, like protecting my time the way I would protect my money. Like I don't just say to people, oh, go in my wallet and grab however much you need, right? But yet with my time, people are constantly like, oh, Bridget, I want to ask, I want, can you talk to me about life coaching? I want to look into it. Can you talk to me about this? Can we, you know, and you see, because you see my things to do. It's like schedule time with so-and-so, schedule time with, and you're like, who are all these people that you have schedules? I'm like, well, they're all just people that want my time. You know? And it's like, and I would love, the thing is, I want to be a giving, kind, generous person. And I, but you said to me at one point, great. So set aside an hour a week and the first couple people that book with you, they get your free time. They get your mentoring time, your free time. And that was a huge light bulb for me. Cause I have weeks where I'm doing like hours of just people coming to me saying, Oh, I want to pick your brain. I have someone else we know who's like, hell no, you don't pick my brain. You pay for my brain. You know how much education I've had and how much I'm like, Ooh, I need to just move a little bit in that direction. But so what you're saying is very, very powerful for me. And I'm sure many who are listening. And it doesn't make you unkind at all. I mean, honestly, if your friend is like upset at you because you have a life, maybe they're not (laughs) a good friend. Yeah. Maybe they're not a good friend. It's like, if they don't want, like one of my, my friend says no to something I want to do because of something that they support for their life. I'm cheering. Mm -hmm. 
great. Well, then someone yeah. else is helping because I'm not going to Ikea by myself. I don't yeah. know why I'm obsessed yeah. with Ikea right now. No, I'm yeah. On, but, but And it's true. And for all of us, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize when you have your own business, like Todd and I are, you know, always talking about how at least half the time is marketing and calls with people who are interested and right. And what is the conversion rate? It's low. We know that that's just, I mean, it's good, but you know, right. Like we have to spend a lot of time and energy and extroverted energy in marketing for our business and connecting with people. And so when we give extra time to people who are not paying us and it ends up being hours and hours and hours in our week, it really harms our ability to, to be successful in our businesses and provide for our families. Like there's a lot tied to it. I don't mean, I hope that doesn't sound crass, but I'm starting to weigh that and really think that even if people don't understand that, it's okay because I know. And if I say to someone, look, I don't have the extra time this week, I know it's because if whatever extra hours are left, I need to be marketing. I need to be networking to keep my business going, you know? And it's not just free time just because it's on the calendar, right? Correct. Or doing nothing. It's also okay. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I'm doing nothing. You're like, well, you're doing nothing. You can really come help us. It's like, no, I'm not doing nothing. I'm resting. That's something. Which has to happen if we're going to give our best selves to all the commitments that we make all every day. I mean, how many people do we know that are burned out? You know, they just burned out and then they feel like they've given so much to everyone. No, they just didn't have good boundaries. Like, I don't see that as like a... But there's nothing glorious about that for me. You know, Sophie, there's that balance too and, you know, coaching, and I'm sure this comes up in your work, right, of we could give all of that, say, in one capacity at work and then have nothing left of ourselves to give at home, right? And so to even raise and how the, the, the professional and the personal come together in these topics is and then how that contributes to our happiness, to our joy, or vice versa, to our sorrow, right? And to the pain we experience each day is a huge thing to unlock with somebody, right? It's a gift to, for people to trust us enough to have those discussions and then to, to see them unlock in, in the process of like, oh my gosh, like, uh, I don't have to be tethered to th- this thought that's been keeping me or this mindset that's been keeping me beholding to saying yes all this time. And now look really at beautiful. me, look at me. It's funny. One of my favorite, I know we we're wrapping up, but one of my favorite texts came, maybe, I don't know. I'd, I'd been working with this guy for a few months, maybe two months. I got an email from his girlfriend who was basically like, she didn't know me from me. She just got my information, but she was like very, it was very moving. It wasn't a flip. She was just like, you gave me my guy back. Like, he would walk out of the office so full in his head and so disturbed and, and, and preoccupied. And he would be half there, like if even, you know, and now he closes his day, he's done with his work and we can be together. And I am just so grateful. And I just sat there and sobbed and was just like, yeah, it's fun to help people be productive, whatever, you know, but to be able to come home and be with yourself, you know, and your partner and your kid, whatever that is. Oh, that is, that is the priceless thing that comes with this work. It's life changing. And, you know, I, I, I gotta say when, you know, it makes, it brings, gives me chills. Cause that's Bridget, I imagine it's true for you too. Like that feeling is something we can relate to, right? That relief, Sophie, 
Bridget, like that's a relief that we've felt in ourselves and we desperately, you know, passionately want for everybody else. And then so that's why we do this show. That's why we do this work. It's just, ah, gosh, well, you know, so warm and fuzzy on this show. Yes. And I just want to say, I know we are wrapping up too, but a very concrete way that you help me with that, Sophie, is that we have on my every week connect with my daughters, connect with my parents, certain type of things I want to, ways I want to connect, connect with Neil in these ways, right? And so, of course, I have the never, and well, it feels like the never any work to, you know, items, which are really getting pared down in just a short time, amazingly, the work items. It's like, wow. But the personal, like every time I see that, I'm like, wow, I would let a lot of time pass without connecting with important people in my life and constantly be feeling guilty and, you know, just having it there in front of me on the tool that we're using, the Trello tool, it's, this stuff is deep. It is not about just, you know, what we think, like time management, that term doesn't even scratch the surface of this kind of work. So thank you. I just want to say thank you for what you've done for my life. And I'm so happy and honored that we're going to be able to share this with our audience and that I think people are going to get a lot out of it. Thank you for having me here. This was like one of my absolute favorite conversations. Forget in general, like I love the conversation. Thank you both for inviting me and sharing so much of yourselves. Sophie, I learned, I said, I think I'm going to learn a lot. I learned, you know, a ton. There's um, specific people that I coach and in my life that I'm going to, you know, direct specifically to parts of what you talked about here. I mean, everybody always listens, but there's really important messages here that you shared and I, and I appreciate you so much for them. The word that pops for me as we close this whole thing down, right, is intentional. Like to, that you are teaching people, you're, you're equipping them with a skill set and a mindset to live a far more intentional life, a more intentional existence, which, you know, calms everything down which allows what we, and you, we were off camera when we started, you know, chatting for a few minutes before this, but it allows for that being, right? We do spend so much time in the doing and this work is to manage the doing to seemingly to allow for the being, which is, you, I think what you said at the start, you know, what it's all about, right? To just, just to get there, to have that. I'm so, so glad you caught that from our conversation because it is, it is like, it's not time management, it's peace management. It's you Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you want some peace management, I hope you check out, you know, all you listeners out there, check out, uh, you know, Sophie's website. Uh, what is it again? That, can you just tell us again what the website is? Yes, it's called BeCurrentToday.com. BeCurrentToday.com. There you go. Well, BeCurrentToday.com. Be yeah. Go run there and <laughs> it will change your life. You will get time back that you never would have imagined you had. Well, thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Sophie. As we say, be good people, make good choices. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Right Questions podcast. We hope this episode sparked something that fuels your own inquiry and transformation. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to learn more about the work we do and how it can benefit you, check out our website, sampsoncoachingandconsulting.com and connect with me on Instagram at thebridgetsampson. And you can find me at Todd Parker Official. We'll catch you next week. Until then, dare to ask the right questions.